from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Matt Cowart, I'm a director. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor and a director. Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a writer and a director. Today, we're doing the second episode in our series on storytelling moments, where we're focusing on specific kinds of moments that exist in a play and in a production, and talking about our approaches to those kinds of moments. We started the series off with beginnings, and we'll touch on such topics later as transitions, act breaks, character introductions. Today, we're talking about endings. And by that, we mean the last five minutes, and very especially that very last moment of a play, and how it is that we think about those moments differently than other kinds of moments in the play, and what we do to try to make them work as effectively as possible to play their role in the production or the play. So let's start by talking about a playwright's approach to endings. Uh, What is it that's important about the ending of a play when you're writing it? Well, I think the most important thing about an ending is that it is satisfying to the audience and to the writer uh, that everything that you wanted to know about wraps up in an emotionally satisfying and rationally satisfying way answering all the dramatic questions that were asked. And what makes the ending of a play or really any story for that matter but especially a play what makes the ending of a play satisfying? I think there are a lot of different ways the ending of a play or a story can be satisfying, but um, the thing that they all seem to have in common to me is that an ending to a play or story is satisfying when it is uh, the thing that all of the events of the play have been leading up to, whether the audience is aware of that or not. The ending can still be a surprise, or it could be something that was you know, buried earlier in the play, but that all of the action of what we have witnessed up to that point, was leading us inevitably to that ending, whether we knew it or not. Uh, And that, to me, is what makes a satisfying conclusion to what I've been spending the past, you know, two or so hours watching. Yeah, I feel like this something that makes a play have a satisfying ending to me doesn't necessarily mean that it is something I agree with or that it even ends the way that I want it to, but that it feels like it lands in the place that it's been driving toward. And it it has a an intentional ending. It, it comes to a point whether or not it's the resolution I wanted it to come to. I think that's very true to, dif- to differentiate satisfying from resolving. Because there are a lot of very satisfying endings that don't tie everything up perfectly for the audience and that leave certain characters and storylines intentionally unresolved but that can still be satisfying to an audience based on whatever story was being told if that's the story that you were trying to tell and I think that has a lot to do with and it's something we've talked about a lot in the past but dramatic question that there really is that idea of you can lay out several dramatic questions in a play. You want to, certainly, which is the places where you're like, what is going to happen to this person or whatever, but where you are wondering something actively as an audience and watching the play, trying to deduce the answer to this question. I think the trick of a satisfying ending is that you have answered your central dramatic question in the last moments of the play. And there can be open dramatic questions that are left. But the important thing, I think, is that it answers its central dramatic question. And especially very often, its narrative dramatic question. Doubt is a great example of a play that has an ending that I think is very satisfying, but does leave 
things very open. This will be a spoiler alert for people who don't want to know about the ending of Doubt. Fast forward by about a minute. But that in the story, you're following this situation where there is a nun at a school who believes that a priest at the school has molested a student at the school. And what you're trying, what you're following through the play is the battle between these two people and trying to figure out what she's going to do about it. What is going to happen? Is she going to actually blow the whistle? What is she going to try to do? And in the end of the play, the wonderful last line of the play is when she is talking to the other nun and they are not clear about whether he did it or not. And she says, oh, I I am so full of doubt, is the end of the play. And we as an audience don't know whether he actually did it or not. But it's very satisfying because the driving central question was not, did he do it or not? It was, is she going to do something about her suspicion? And we get the answer to that question. So we are satisfied with the ending, even though we don't get the answer In fact, I would say it's even more satisfying that we don't get the answer to that specific secondary question. But, I would argue, if it were a play that was about the mystery of did he molest the boy or not, that would have been a deeply unsatisfying ending. Which gets into actually something that you were saying, Matt, is is the importance of the fact that the ending is the ending to the play that you have been driving to all the way through. There is no such thing as an ending that is satisfying in a vacuum. It's a matter of does it satisfy the expectations and hopes and questions that the two hours of play leading up to it have caused you as an audience member to invest in. Jen, the play you wrote, Just Julian, I think is a very good example of that. Would you talk about it? Yeah, well, yeah, Just Julian is a play that seems to be about a a romantic story between a guy who wants to be with a popular girl at school and his best friend, who's a girl who has some history with this girl. And the the ending of the play is not about the, the couple getting together, which it would seem that it might have been driving towards, but actually is about the repair of the relationship between the two girls who who we learn this pretty early on that they had a falling out and there's a question of why she's helping her friend get with this girl if they had a falling out but so to me the real ending of that play is what happens between the two girls and not whether the guy and the girl get together or which girl he chooses because even though that's what they're fighting about that's not really what I was striving towards it was about it was about what happened to this friendship and then what happens now I also think what, Jen, you were just saying about the ending of the play being about what happened to those people and to the relationship and to the friendship also, that that actually, I think, is a what seems like a very obvious thing, but I think is a very useful thing to realize that something that's very important about an ending is that it has clarity about what has happened, that you understand what actually occurred. And it gets into, and it's a little bit of something we were talking about before, but the nature of ambiguity. Because I think a lot of times, endings can be ambiguous and be very satisfying. But I also do know there are plays that I wrote early in my career that I look back on that there's many things that I like about them. And I remember being very proud of the ending because I thought they were ambiguous, with air quotes. They didn't have air quotes at the time. (laughs) But they do now. But really what it was, was it was just not totally clear what had happened. And I actually know, I mean, I work a lot with playwrights on plays. And there are times where we get to the end of a play and I will say, I I don't know where it ended up and what happened between them. And the answer will often be, oh, but I want it to be ambiguous. But ambiguity really belongs to the audience, not to the writer. And not to the director, for that matter, either. But that idea is... The ambiguity is not about what happened, but how the audience should feel about what happened. And I think that that idea of, uh, you know, giving the audience all the information that they need to have to be conflicted. Doubt, again, is a great example of, in the end, there is no doubt that that 
priest is no longer at that parish, but has been moved someplace else, and you know what happened. You really don't know whether you should be concerned about the kids at the other parish or not. And that's very troubling. And that, again, seems to me to be about where ambiguity lives, is leaving the audience uneasy about not knowing how to feel about what happened, not leaving the audience uneasy because they're not clear about what happened. And I, I almost feel like the word ambiguous is misleading because the shows to me that have quote-unquote ambiguous endings, it's either one thing or another. There is a very defined series of choices of what I, the audience, can choose to believe or not. So it's not like there are ten possible things it could have been. The play has very clearly and succinctly handed me to maybe three options that I am left to wrestle and deal with, not a sea of things I'm supposed to wade through to decide potentially what it could have meant. And there's also something else, I think, when you're talking about constructing a satisfying ending. And there certainly are exceptions to this and every rule. But I have found that satisfying endings are either about bringing things into equilibrium or bringing things into severe disequilibrium. You know, that idea of not that bringing it to equilibrium, meaning that everything is okay, but if everything gets to be okay, we understand how and we understand the cost of it. And I do know a, a, a show that I co-wrote that you actually uh, directed, Matt, uh, called Kiki Baby, a musical. That was something when we were working on it, we talked about a lot. That it's a show about a young performer who is uh, basically taken advantage of by all of the people around her, this four-year-old girl. And we definitely knew where we wanted to go is the question we were asking is how is this little girl going to get out of this? How is this going to turn out okay for her? And really our big questions at the end were who was going to have to pay the price to make it possible for it to turn out okay for her? Even though our question was how is it going to turn out okay for her? We wouldn't have been satisfied with it turned out okay for her. We really had to understand how and why and what is the price that's paid to bring it into equilibrium. Um, and I find certainly when I'm writing that's something that's a very helpful thing to think about is again, what is the thing that is gained and what is the thing that we have to realize at the end has to be lost in order to meet that gain. or. The other option is severe disequilibrium, which frankly I know a lot of my short plays fall into, which is that people reach a place where they realize their problem is totally unresolvable, which can be a very satisfying place to end, but it really does need to get to the place where they have fought every battle and it is clear that it is unresolvable rather than simply that it is unresolved at the time of the ending of the play. I actually think that's where I would say almost all of your short plays end. And actually just thinking about it now, the, the plays that I've written both end that way. Well, it actually is something I think I, I talked about in one of the writing episodes we did before, but it is something I have definitely found for myself is my short plays and screenplays are all about people realizing their problems are unresolvable. And my full-length plays and screenplays are about people finding the way to resolve their problems. And it's actually something that I have found is a very common theme, especially among my short plays, which are about people realizing things are unresolved, that so many of them end with a closing door hmm. or someone being left alone on stage. But there is something about that idea, again, of that is a resolution. That is a thing where it's like they fought, they've left, and the door shuts and the lights go down because what we've understood over the course of the play and what satisfies us is they're not going to be in the room together anymore. That isn't going to happen. And in my short film that we made, of course, it they drove away in a car. So, mm -hmm. which is the cinematic, the, the cinematic version of shutting a door, I think. So, when you're writing a play, at what point? do you come upon the ending? Is it something you know before you start writing? 
Is it something that you discover only when you get to the end? I will say I find writing endings the hardest, and I, I, it, it is the very last thing that happens that I think about and that happens. I usually uh, go into the writing process with you know a specific moment in mind or character or, or whatnot, but I never have, when I start writing, I never have the ending in mind. Um, and often when I will, uh, you know, bring a play into our workshop group or share it with people for feedback or whatnot, it's, it's never a finished draft at first because it's, I find it so hard to write, to write the ending. It takes me, it takes me a while to figure out what that will be. I find it similar in my process that the things that inspire me to write are often beginnings and, and and moments also and the the ending is one of the things to come later and it usually comes for me out of the process of trying to resolve the conflict of like where is this going to end up and I do have a tendency towards uh, what would be like a romantic happy ending that's my tendency I want things to work out well and I have people that I'm rooting for as a writer so usually it ends that way but I have to figure out how and what is good about that. And, you know, it, sometimes that doesn't happen until the people have actually said it out loud or done something. And then it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's the end right there. Yeah, so that's, it comes last for me too. It's actually interesting because I, I very rarely get the idea for a play from an ending. I mean, as you guys are saying, it's very often a beginning. Very often a situation is what inspires me to write. But I have found over time, it's not that I can't, but I don't find it advisable for me to start writing until I know the ending. That it gives me something to drive for in the process. That I think that idea that ultimately that last moment in the play is something that the whole play has been conspiring to lead up to. And again, I, the play that I'm working on now, I haven't even really started writing. I'm just, you know, still making notes on it and things like that. But I know the last line of it. And I really kind of felt like that's not where it began. But once I found that last line, so many other things started to fall into place because I was able to work backwards from, I know this is where I want to start. I know this is where I want to end. What things have to change in order for me to get from point A to point Z. And it's actually interesting because a couple of plays um, that you've written, you had the idea of the ending as you were writing it, but the ending changed yes. uh, during the process of writing. No, that's absolutely true. That there are some, and, and um, Makes Three is one example that really stands out to me, which is a play you all know very well. But it really was something that the ending of the play, I was super clear on from the moment I sat down and the, all the way through writing up until literally the last five pages of the play when something else just happened. Things had gotten much more complicated as I'd gone through the process of writing things. And, um, you know, it just reached a point where literally I was sitting and typing and one of the characters did something. Like, I typed out what they did and I stopped and thought wow, that's not where I thought that was going. But she's right. That would be the right thing to do in that moment. And I thought, I don't think it's fair for that person to not be allowed to do what was the right thing. And the play ended up sort of the opposite ending of the one that I expected. But it really was, frankly, be because I was driving towards that other ending, it strangely freed me up to let other things take shape around it such that a different ending ended up making much more sense. But yeah, it, 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 it's, I, I still do think going into that process knowing what I thought the ending was going to be was very helpful to ending up on the ending I ended up on. I think that ha having the ending in mind would be something that would be supremely useful to me as a writer if I could hash things out ahead of time and know where I was headed because the idea of starting your play with a trajectory in mind gives you so much fuel to try to ramp it up and then land the ending. You, ha you have so much going for you because you know where you're aiming 
Whereas if you if you kind of like stumble through and then you like land at what you feel is the ending because you've been spending so much time with the characters and you're like this is what has to happen it was kind of flat like there, there wasn't a really a, a heightening and then a fall it, it was just kind of like life where you just kind of like go through it and then, then it ends up this certain way and so you end up with sort of a flat arc and what you have to do then is go back and like punch it up in the middle to, to give it the trajectory so that it to make the ending more satisfying because of the information you got before that may not have come out because it was people just saying what came to mind, but it, giving the characters and the audience all the elements that they need so that it has a trajectory and lands in a place and so that they feel that they went on this arc with you. Well, there's something in, in what you said that I also think strikes on something that's so important, which is that you always want to make sure that the ending of your play isn't what turned out to happen, but it's the thing that the characters made happen. And I think that that's such a critical part of a satisfying ending to a play on the page, is that it's driven by the characters. Is that it's, uh, you know, it's not a deus ex machina. It's not that something comes from the outside and makes the ending happen, but it really is something that the characters make happen because of the things they need and because of the things they want. And again, I find having an ending that you're shooting for is a really helpful thing when writing because the only tools you have as a writer are the characters and the things they want and the things they're doing. And it forces you to make their choices more interesting if you know there's a place you're trying to end up rather than just following them to the place that they amble to. Right. Now, that said, I know there are writers who I respect a great deal who just free write 500 pages and then figure out what the play is going to be. Uh, so that's really just for me, but I know I definitely find it very useful to know where I think I am heading. Although, again, as, as you pointed out, Jenny, about 30% of the time I end up someplace else. It's interesting because I start, I start writing and I kind of find, I find the story that way. I write a bunch and kind of figure out and hone in on the argument or the conflict uh, that strikes me at the time. So by almost by definition, I have started writing and it's kind of like a free form writing until I've locked the actual story down. And then I might decide where it's going from there. But, I, but I, it's interesting because I never kind of outline it out ahead of time kind of want to try it yeah I don't do a, a lot of free writing I usually just start at the beginning and write write to the end but often like I said with the arc when I get to the end the f the feedback that I get sometimes is how was it that this was the only place that the characters could end up how was this ending the only thing that could have happened that's what would make it satisfying is this is, is if this is what had to happen instead of what happened to happen in this instance and so that's about pruning and shaping the play so that the the choices that the characters made inevitably led to the ending that i've already written and therefore make it satisfying because this is where we were heading and i think something that you can do as a writer which helps things to feel inevitable like that is to be sure that what happens at the end is dependent on information that we learned earlier and preferably information that we have learned at more than one point earlier because it is something that you know I've certainly seen plays where there's something you learn at the very end and it suddenly makes the ending make sense but it's much more satisfying I find when something happens where you realize oh I I should have been able to figure out part of that. I should have known that. I, Or even if you shouldn't have known that idea that you're like, that it was important that I knew that thing that I learned 45 minutes ago and it makes a different kind of sense now that this ending has happened. Well, you can kind of go back back through the play in your head and kind of plot out where, where things were dropped or, you know, it, it makes sense as a whole having seen the whole thing. And actually, that's something, another way that, frankly, knowing the ending is helpful to me to write the whole 
play mm-hmm. is that I I do know this scene is the place where we need to get the information about the terms of the contract into the play so that when it becomes important in the final scene I will not just have someone take out a contract and read it but when they say the contract I go oh my god that's right he signed that contract in the third scene and I had totally forgotten about it but I know what that contract means when it comes out there's actually something that I have always been a bit of the of the opinion that the last scene of a play shouldn't totally make sense out of context that if it does it's not connecting back to enough things that we've learned along the way. Um, and I actually know there are a lot of my plays, and I say I know, it actually was only thinking about it knowing that we were going to record this, that so many of my plays, the very final moments of it, turn on an object that had been introduced earlier in the play. And, you know, that that certainly can be a very satisfying thing for an audience to feel like they've followed an object on a journey, too, that ends up being important to what happens at the end. Let's talk a bit about uh, directing and uh, how a director uh, considers the end of a play. Does the end of a play serve a different function for a director than it does for a playwright? I think largely, uh, as a director, I'm concerned with similar things, making sure the ending of the play is satisfying for the audience, that the final moment has been a thing that we have all been building towards for the whole evening. But for myself, it's useful to think about it in another way. When I was uh, doing the Lincoln Center Directors Lab in 2005, there was a director from Denmark who was talking about the different moments that he tries to think of when he's working on a play. And the last moment he thinks about, or the last moment he was describing, wasn't actually a moment that happened on stage. It's the moment in the lobby immediately following the play. What is the audience talking about? And that's always stuck with me and is the thing that I try and craft the final image of the play. What do I want people leaving the theater discussing? And how can that final snapshot begin that discussion so that the ending is not so much the ending of the play as it is the beginning of the next conversation. I think that's so interesting and it's actually I think so true at least of my experience of what I think about when working on the ending of a play as a director because I know as a playwright what's very important to to me is to answer the dramatic questions and to have the ending of the play bring the story to a close. But as a director, I think my focus is much more on answering the central thematic question of the play rather than the dramatic question of the play and to bring the production to a close rather than bringing the story to a close. And I think it's something, you know, that I've, you know, frankly always thought, and I know there are other people who have other opinions about this, but, you know, my my feeling is as a director, you want to get really deep into the text so you can see what the playwright is doing and what they're intending and what they're, they're up to in the play so you can then do anything else with the assurance that the text is already handling that stuff. And, um, you know, that it really is something that when I looked back on the ways that I had closed plays they really were generally about that idea of what is the central idea at the center at the center of this specific production of the play of the production of the play that we have done here not necessarily the one that's on the page and i was actually thinking earlier today about the production of romeo and juliet that we did um where jenny actually played romeo it was a uh, uh, two women as romeo and juliet um one of the things and this actually gets into props that became important at the end too but a big part of the whole thrust of the idea that I wanted to explore with that production was just this idea that it is that it's a much more complicated story than this perfect love story that these were kids that their parents were not wrong to be concerned that Romeo and Juliet were not wrong to like each other but just that idea that there's a lot of what happened that got way out of hand because these people were very young. And uh, one of the things that, that we had done through the play was that Romeo and Juliet had exchanged rings at the wedding. And then when Romeo left for Mantua, had taken Juliet's ring and put it on a chain around her neck. And so when she returned to the crypt 
to find Juliet, the first thing she did was take the two rings and put them on each of them. But so they were chained together for the whole last scene. So when Juliet woke up, she sat up and started to get up and realized Romeo was there because her hand was attached to her. And so it was something that I think added a very interesting thing to that whole last scene. But the very end of it kind of struck a tableau that I don't think is totally unlike a lot of tableaus that are struck at the end of Romeo and Juliet, with the two parents holding their kids tightly and the prince standing behind them saying, never was there a story of such woe as this of Juliet and her Romeo. But that as the parents are hugging the kids closer, their arms are stretching and stretching and stretching. So he gets to that the end of that line, as this of Juliet and her Romeo, and we had rigged it so the chain snapped and their hands fall limp to the stage and the lights went out. And that there was something about that last moment for me that was about this was all so unnecessary is really what the thrust of the play was. And so that's what the closing moment of the play of the production was. Because again, I do think about the last moment of the play as sort of a place to put a final statement I actually kind of hate the word theme, frankly, because I feel like you get very heady about it. But that idea of what is it you're getting at in this production, and to be sure that that last moment of the play really gets at it. When you guys are directing a show, at what point in the process do you generally come up with what you imagine the ending to be? And is it something that changes over the process? I think coming into working with the actors, I have, I already have an idea of something that will work for the ending. But in, in one case in particular that I'm thinking of, um, I was directing a play you wrote, Kit, Party Girl, and there's a very, very complicated ending to that play. And the, the, both the visual moment at the very end, as well as the last couple of minutes of, of acting choices are really complicated and I I felt like I came into rehearsal with both an idea of something that could work visually and some staging ideas of how to to functionally make the ending work and I think about two acting choices that might make sense as a thing to drive towards with the the two actors who were in the last moment but because it's such a complicated journey I feel like I couldn't I couldn't really know what that was going to be until I worked with the actors to figure out how they were going to, what was going to work for them to justify this re- really challenging choice that they, they land on in the, in the end of the play. Um, and so really that ending of that production came out of the table work with the, the main actor, I think, for the most part. and everything built on that that we knew we had to figure out what was this choice going to be how was he going to get to this choice as the central thing we needed to work out for him and then I was able to land the ending um, of the of the production based around what was really making sense to that actor uh, yes I find that when I uh, start working on a show I will often have a very clear idea of what the ending should be or what the ending wants to feel like or what I want the audience to experience at the end of the play, what I want them to be walking away with. And then for me, it becomes about solving the how of how do I achieve that. Um, And sometimes the answer comes through working with designers. Uh, I remember one specific uh, instance. uh, I was working on a production of Two Gentlemen of Verona, the rock musical. uh, And I... I knew that I wanted the end of the play and the curtain call. I wanted the audience to be dancing and singing and clapping and feeling the sensation of love that the entire cast had embodied during the finale. And uh, throughout the show, whenever people fell in love during the show, they were like sprinkled with love confetti by Cupid. And so the answer became that during the curtain call, we played like, you know, one of the fantastic songs from the show. and. Uh, from the flies over the entire house, confetti poured down over the audience for about 
five to ten minutes after the show was over. And people stayed in the theater and had a giant love party because they had invested in this confetti as causing a love spell. So in the curtain call, mm. when it was happening to them, they fully embraced that experience. Mm. Um, so that was like me and a designer figuring out how to achieve that effect with the audience. Um, but oftentimes, you know, I'll walk into rehearsal with a list of like moments that are questions for me. You know, I don't know how we're going to solve this yet, or you know, and sometimes the the final image of the play can be that moment. Uh, so similar to what you were saying, Jen, when we're in the exploratory phase of uh, staging rehearsal, you know, I have my eyes peeled for any moment or relationship I see the actors discovering that can begin to be the spark of what the ending tableau or image of the play is. And that's often a, a very fruitful place to find it if I haven't already solved it. Yeah, I tend to find that I, I tend to walk into rehearsal with a very, very, very clear picture of that final moment of the show. But it often changes. You know, it, it's something that I actually often find for myself that rather than saying, what should it be, and then figuring out what it should look like, is I just catalog through what could this look like until I hit something that's like, that's, yes, that's it. Let me dig into why I'm responding to that image, because that's the thing that the ending of the show should be. And so... You know, I generally do walk in with, a, with a, a really clear idea of what I want that last moment to be. But then life happens and rehearsal happens and the specific actors in the play happen and the other moments that you discover happen. And, you know, I actually was, was thinking about this play then, which I have directed uh, three times, then by Cynthia Franks. It's a lovely, lovely one-act play. And... Basically, it's about this couple on prom night, uh, and uh, they go back to his uh, farmhouse late at night, and basically she thinks tonight's the night they're going to lose their virginities to each other. He thinks tonight's the night he's going to propose to her so that she will go with him off to art school in New York City. And it's a really lovely, charming, very funny, very sweet play. But it sort of turns on the fact that how he got into art school was that he had drawn these nude sketches of her, but had never seen her nude. It was his what he imagined it would be like. And so the end, he's asked her to marry him, and there's this whole real tear about this life she imagined for them and this life he's imagined for them and what is it going to be. And what she does at the end is she says, I want you to draw me. And he says, what? I want you to draw me. He says, excuse me, I want you to draw me. And she stands under the, the light uh, of the porch and, and puts the ring on and drops her dress for him to draw her. And it's really on the page, such a lovely moment. And in production has been such a lovely moment. And I've you know, always frankly had a picture of what I thought the end of that play should look like. And yet, in the three productions of it, all of them I've gone in with a very similar image of what I thought the end of the play would be, have all ended very differently. One of them was more or less exactly as it's described. Another one was where, and this was frankly because the actress, even though she had said she wanted to do the nudity required, really it became clear was just not comfortable with it. Even though she was still willing to do it, she, you know, it was like, well, I don't want to, no, that's not what we want to do. <laughs> and so it actually ended up something where it sort of changed the shape of the of the scene a bit. So it ended up with him standing there, like, looking at her with her back to the audience as she dropped the top of her dress. And so it was something where we understood what the moment was, but on those actors, it was right that way. And the most recent time that I uh, directed it was actually just something where, again, we had all the lights, the actress was totally ready to do that. But what we realized was, given the way that the rest of that play had sort of evolved and worked between those two actors, it was just that she unzipped the, the back of it and was about to drop it when the light snapped out. And that there was something that was really right on those two actors that that was the right ending for that play. And as, again, the, the rest of the shape of the play evolved over that process. So again, it is something that I find it... I, I, it was very important to me, though, that the feeling of that last moment was the same in all three of those productions. 
but how it was executed ended up being quite different than all of them just because of the way rehearsal went and the way that the specific actors were. And I, and I do think it is important as a director in the end and every place else to always keep your eye on what is actually important about whatever moment you're working on. And again, I find it very useful to have specific pictures of moments, but then to really be honest with yourself about what is that specific moment really doing and what is the best way to do that thing with these people. Now, what about as an actor? Do you think about the last moment in a play any differently than you think about other kinds of moments in a play? Yes and no. I think when I'm when I'm working on a play, I'm I'm always looking for the mile markers throughout the play that are ultimately the kind of the anchor points that let me take the journey of the play, but ultimately that really is in service of getting me to the ending. So I think I'm always I'm always aware of the ending of of at least the ending of the play or the ending of the arc for the character, um, the the landing point for the character that I'm playing. Um, but we've talked in other episodes about, especially when when you're thinking about it in terms of stakes, that it's not helpful to look at how far you have to get to in the end of the play, and so therefore I should back off from that and start the play there so that you know I have somewhere to go, and that that's not a really helpful you know way to work for me. So I'm actually, in a lot of cases, looking at where the ending of the play might be emotionally and and sort of, not logically, but emotionally, where, where do I have to get to at the end of the play? And almost trying to start there. And then letting the work that I do through the course of the process and through taking the journey of the play and hitting all of those mile markers, letting that take me even further at the end of the play. So so, so yes, I am thinking of the end of the play in a lot of cases as like the the summit of the journey, you know. The but but ultimately, I'm doing all of the same work throughout the course of, of rehearsal and throughout the course of the the evening of doing the show in order to get me to this very different moment. I actually think I don't approach the process of of my work any differently in the ending. I feel like kind of the ending happens to me and most most often that's with the design of the show there's you know usually a lot more technical things that you have to be aware of uh in the ending and that that I'm aware of but in terms of just the acting part of it I don't feel I don't feel like I approach the ending any differently than any other moment in the play yeah I do, I do find in working with actors um yeah, I actually feel like I said something similar on the episode about beginnings. But but that idea of, I think a lot of it is about trying to get them to not approach it very differently than other moments. Um, insofar as we're generally, and there are exceptions to this, but in the vast majority of plays, we're watching people and people's journeys. And we want to see that the play ends because they are at the end of what they're going through. And not that they wrap up what they're going through because the play is over. And I think that that idea of there can be a temptation to be aware that you're in the end and play the fact that you're at the end of the story. But that very often makes the play feel like it ends on a literary note. And I think that idea of really being sure that the actor is leading the way uh, and that the story ends because they're at the end and not they finish because the story's over. Mm-hmm. And also, there, there's something in a lot of roles that I've played where it doesn't feel like the end to the character, that there's something, too, about playing through the end of the play, mm-hmm. um, that, that there is, in a lot of cases, a tomorrow. And what, what, how are you going to approach that now? What, what is different about this character's life after having lived through this play? That actually, I think, is actually so important and not something that we have talked about yet, but actually does apply. I think certainly as a writer, when I'm writing something, one of the things that is very important to me about the end is that we understand what's going to happen next. 
you know, whether it's she's going to pick herself up and move on or these two people will never speak to each other again. You know, that there really is something that's very important about the place a play ends is it doesn't end because nothing happens after that, but it ends because what will happen after that is now predetermined. And I think that idea of as an actor, you know, to be sure that you're headed towards that thing that is inevitably going to happen now because of what has happened over the two hours course of the play. And in the same way that coming into the play, you need to know where you're coming from. I think if, you know, we talked about the doors earlier, that if you're walking out through that door, you're walking out into something that's next. Yeah. And it's that idea of seeing parents in Romeo and Juliet hugging their children, being sad because their children are dead, is much less compelling than watching it end and seeing them trying to imagine how they will live without them. And it's just that idea of remembering, yes, even though the play is over, your character's life is not over. Unless you're playing Romeo Romeo or Juliet. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on on a play once, Jenny, something you were saying about the design at the end when you're an actor. I think in a lot of cases, I'm not, I'm no longer as an actor paying attention to my job in telling the story at the end of the play sometimes I'm really on that journey and and looking at what's the next day and I worked on a play once um, at the Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey a a Russian play that I was playing a a supporting character in and you know it was a, a sizable role but I never thought of the play as being a play that was about my character uh I was just there doing the doing the journey that I needed to do and we got into tech and the final the sort of the final moments of the play are about these these two characters who have come into the world of of this household and tried to take my character with them and they leave and to me I always saw from through my eyes I saw these two characters leaving and that being significant to all the different people who stayed behind on stage. But the final light cue was a tiny pool of light around me. And it was not only that it closed in on me, but that it was, I, I followed them a couple of steps towards the door and looked back around at all of the other people on the stage and the, the pool of light sort of met me there. And it really was was not until tech that I realized that the story the play was telling in this production was was a lot more about the journey I was on than I had realized. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was kind of an interesting moment. It didn't change the work that I was doing. It was still the same work that the director had been working on with me all along. But it did change my understanding of what my my responsibility was or my role was in the in the telling of the story. And I thought it was actually pretty helpful that I hadn't known that in advance. But it was a way that the design drew the story of the play for the audience in a way that it was it hadn't been my job to do. I actually find that the music at the end of the play, it becomes more of a technical dance, if you will, about like meeting the lyrics or whatever with your acting choice. I, I become aware suddenly that we're at the end and that these are the things that need to happen technically for, you know, for the lights to go down and for the music to go up and for then the curtain call to happen. Um, yeah, it's, I, I feel like for me, the, with the plays that I've done, it's, it's, it's all about the music at the end and, and becoming aware of the ending that way. Do you guys, as directors and playwrights, have thoughts about the way that design can be the important to the way that a play ends? Well, as a writer for the ending, I don't tend to think of how design will play. I, I write the satisfying ending and hope that a director can do something really cool with it. Um, but because when I'm writing the characters, I'm not picturing them on a stage. I'm picturing them in the place where they are. And just, I might picture lights coming down in a way, like now we're closing on this moment or blacking out on this moment, but not any kind of like major technical things other than lights. I, I don't think about the design because I, I do write that in my stage directions that you might say blackout or end of play. If I if I feel like it's a snap, 
out kind of a ending or if I feel like it's a soft ending and we're going into the next thing. But other than that simple thing, I don't think about the design. That actually reminds me of something great that uh, Jean Lasko, who's one of my teachers we've talked about in the past, said is, um, you know, when you get to the end of the play, just bring the lights out. Don't try to convince people to like your play with your really complicated set of light cues at the end. If you haven't gotten them by then, you're not going to get them. And it's it's true. And yet I see that happen all the time. Like, and lights down on him and lights off on the samovar. And then lights down on the picture of the dog. It's like... Don't try to tell the storytelling of the play in the last two seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think for myself, the... Uh, the main design thing I like to think about at the end and I talk about with the designers is any elements or tools we are using have to be things that we've established in some way earlier in the play. You know, Kit, your Romeo and Juliet example is so satisfying because that those linked chains were an, were an object that you established earlier in the show and that anything that will be a part of that final tableau has to already have significance and ideally uh, its significance becomes apparent or even more important because of the way you use it at the end uh, and isn't something that I am ahead of period I think that's a good place to wrap up if you'd like to learn more about Cry Havoc, our classes, our upcoming public events, and ways that you can support the podcast and our other free programming, please go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. You can follow us on Twitter at CryHavocNYC or find us on Facebook as The Cry Havoc Company. If you like what you're hearing, please let your friends and colleagues know that we're out here, and if you haven't already subscribed, you can do so now at the iTunes Store. And while you're there, please write us a review and give us a rating. It helps other people find the podcast. So, for myself, Jenny, Matt, Jen, Jen, and everyone here at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe.